Welcome to Sword and Shield, the official podcast of the 960th Cyberspace Wing. Join us for insight, knowledge, mentorship, and some fun as we discuss relevant topics in and around our wing. Please understand that the views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the U.S. Air Force nor the Air Force Reserve, and no endorsement of any particular person or business is ever intended. Hi, good morning. I'm Master Sergeant Shatasha Estes, 960th Cyberspace Wing First Sergeant and Resilience Integrator. And I have here with me... I'm Randolph McCafferty. I'm chaplain of the uh, 433rd and the 960th Wing Chaplain, to be exact. And I'm Chaplain Chandler. I'm a, a, a chaplain stationed with the 433rd and the 960th. I'm so happy to have you all here today. Thank you for coming. Um, one of my first questions in regards to kind of how you support the airmen, um, both at the 433rd and the 960th, is what exactly is spiritual fitness? That's a good question. Thank you, Shirt. There's a few indicators. It can be, you get that feeling like, what is a spiritually fit person? It's kind of like nailing jello to the wall. You, you know it when you see it, but how do you actually make it concrete? You know, how do you make that understandable? And there are actually a few indicators, just like we have for physical fitness, just like we have for mental fitness. Somebody's smart. Well, how are they smart? Well, give them an IQ test or some other type test. Well, there actually are indicators for what we call spiritual fitness. Among them are this. If you can state what you believe, and you can do that clearly about God, yourself, and others. The ability to talk with God through some form of prayer is another one. Uh, possessing the disciplines, meditation, reflection, contemplation. Also, if you are the kind of person that is willing to, as you'd say, lose it all in order to gain a a learning or gain a greater good. That also is a spiritually fit person. Passion to engage in mission. In other words, you, you've got a heart to, to do things. You've got a heart for a community. You've got a heart for outreach. You want to help people. All right, that's a spiritually fit person. Uh, the pursuit of discipline, of study is another. And then this is actually a part of our, our Air Force doctrine, if you will. When we talk about spirituality, and that is the ability to find meaning in things in life. It's about values and about perspective. And so people who have a healthy perspective, those are uh, spiritually fit people. Thank you, sir. I, I feel like that's a very comprehensive definition there. I, I won't add on too much to that. I would say for me personally, it's it's being able to tap into a well, uh, something that's greater and deeper than myself, something that I can draw on for hope when I'm down, something that I can draw on for, for guidance, uh, for morality, just a code of ethics. Uh, again, that's something that's outside of, of me and, and even mankind or, or society, something that's gonna, uh, that I'm going to find worth and value in that's, again, that's greater than, than myself or, or you know, humankind. And I would say that thought about something beyond yourself and spirituality is about some people see it as a personal God and some people see it as some organiza organization or organized religion. And, and, and that's all valid. But yet, if, if you have a perspective that there's something beyond you, there's something greater than you, something that has called you, you've not sought it, it sought you. And that is also a 
a good definition of spirituality when we talk about the topic. I agree. And I think I like that's why I like the example of the well. It's being able to tap into something uh, that's going to replenish you, that's going to provide for you. And um, wells are, are not, we don't create wells. They, they have to be fed by an outside source. And so it's it's being able to tap into something that's, that's again, greater than you, that's fed by an outside source that you can go to for that replenishment, for that healing, for that hope, for that, that, that code of behavior. Okay. So um, I think that being a first sergeant as well as being a chaplain, um, you could agree that a lot of times you you listen to people, you kind of pour into them. What exactly do you do or who pours into you? So what do you do for your spiritual fitness? Uh, well, for me, it starts with my faith. Um, I, I go to my faith for... Uh, uh, which for me, I'm, I'm Christian, the Word of God, the Bible, um, just studying uh, studying God's Word and who God says He is through His Word, uh, being part of a, a community of believers, fellowship with other like-minded uh, people that believe, you know, have the same faith background and, and uh, practice as I do. Uh, and I would say, so it's, it starts for me primarily in uh, prayer, reading the Bible, trying to, to process that and what it, you know, who God says he is again, and then fellowshipping with other believers. My husband's um, a, another pastor, and so we, uh, I draw on him for a lot of, um, you know, conversation and, and guidance sometimes. So what about you, sir? And I would add to that, first of all, I would emphasize and resound, I resonate with that. But in addition, I would add diversion for me, and again, this don't sound all holy and sacred, but I trust you, there is a holy component to it. Okay, trust me. Whenever you find ways to sort of lose yourself and just re-energize, and so whatever the diversion is for you, you know, provided that it's good for you, <laughs> then by all means, I, I encourage that. Uh, for some people, it's playing soccer. For some people, it is shooting pool for some people it is swimming for some people it is running and so all of these can be part of what you call the sacred schema of life where it is about a fuller perspective and filling the tank if you will or let's go with the well analogy you know is, is refilling the well and what that helps you to do is it helps you to sort of step back out of whatever situation and stressors that you're in, draw upon whatever religious, spiritual source that you have and say, okay, I want to be a, 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 a rounded person. I want to be a comprehensive person. And so I, I, I enjoy where God has planted me and God has planted me in this world. And so by all means, I do see that as sacred. And so the pursuits of diversion and replenishment are also a part of spirituality. Thank you for that. And I agree with that too. I, I think people worship and find spiritual fulfillment in, in a variety of settings, kind of depending on how we're wired. For some people, that's going to be going out and, and you know, seeing a, a mountain and sitting by a lake and just, you know, feeling connected to God through nature and beautiful scenery and for other people, maybe it's tradition. Maybe it's going to church and singing a, you know, a, a 
hymn that they've sang their whole life and they like the tradition and just the 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 repetition of of just those those sacred beliefs and and practices for others it's going to be going out and and uh, serving people and being around people maybe it's working at a food bank maybe it's uh volunteering in your community in some way that that's going to be a a form of of spirituality for them Uh, some people like uh Chaplain McCafferty mentioned, um, maybe it's even something as simple as running. For me, that that's one of them for me because I can go out and I think running is brainless enough as far as I, I can't think too much, uh, but I can think a whole lot uh, at the same time because my body's busy. So I think it's it's different for, for everyone. And I think a spiritually fit person has been able to kind of isolate and go, okay, what, what are, what, where do I feel spiritual? Where do I sense God's presence? What, what am I doing in my life to, to make sure that I'm getting to that place where I, I can, I can worship and, and ex- exercise my spiritual fitness. And for me, Hey, I, I resound with that too, in that running is very much a spiritual discipline for me, probably for a different reason. I think Chaplain Chandler enjoys running a whole lot more than I do, but I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe uh, you're probably better at it. Not a fact, I'm I don't sure know about that. that. <laughs> uh, well, okay. Maybe we need to race sometime. But what I will say is this suffering is also a part of the walk. It is a part of the spiritual discipline. And so you can connect that into what you might call the ordinary things of life. And I'm required to run a mile and a half to stay in the air force. Well, guess what? I don't like to do that, but I know that it's important that I do that. And so that sense of suffering for me is sacred. I I overcome my limitations. I overcome the pain. I overcome the discomfort because I understand that it is the added benefit, not just to keep my job, but keeping my health. And so all of it connects together. And so think of it like the web of interconnectivity that we have when it comes to spirituality. What you just mentioned there was was long suffering as well as discipline. And um, from my own experience, I believe that you know long suffering and discipline it definitely um, qualifies you to be in whatever you know position in life you are, whether it's the military personnel, uh, being a mother or a father. Um, you do have to go through that those obstacles, if you will, um, to be able to reach that that goal in life. Um, and I see just based on how you all are talking that, you know, physical fitness, spirituality, um, values, all those things kind of work together to form the whole person. Right. Um, and and it's those those pillars that that we lean on to um, propel us in, in our Air Force careers and, and ultimately ultimately in life. Um, another thing that I wanted to uh, ask you, sir, because you mentioned this a couple of times, lose it all. What does it mean to lose it all? Um, with regard to spiritual fitness? You, you kind of have what, the, what I call the, the macro lose it all, and then you have the micro. You have many more small setbacks, if you will, losses. Now, how do we deal with loss? Let's talk to you about small things now, all right? You lose your cell phone, okay? You lose a checkbook. You lose keys to the car. Maybe you lose a relationship, not, not a central relationship to your life, but this has been a good friend and you have a disagreement, you have a falling out, and so there's a loss. All right, so those are, those are setbacks where you have to find a way to overcome. And then you got the macro ones. The macro ones are those that can 
completely devastate you. Those are the ones that can, can completely tear you down. We all have at least a few. If you have too many, then you're redlined. However, even the um, healthiest, most disciplined, uh, straight and narrow person is, is, is going to have a few. You're going to have some betrayals somewhere. You're going to have where, uh, where a situation where you lose it all. Everything that you value is 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 gone, or at least it's challenged, or it's it's ruined. So I just like to tell a story because, from a spiritual perspective, when I talk with people that go through a loss, where I think about loss in my life, the word I would like to use that really would capture where. I try to encourage people to get to and where I have to walk that walk myself is to think of it in terms of restoration. That is a key word. And just to give you a little story to illustrate what I mean by restoration. There's a story about this house that had a painting and the house caught on fire and the painting was partially damaged. Of course, firefighters came and put water on it. And so the painting was streaked and the, and the fringes were burnt. You, kind of picture where the frame is black and charcoal and you've got this small part of the painting. Well, what an artist did was salvaged the part of the painting that, that, that he could, put it into a new canvas or a new backdrop, and then used charcoal to blend in all of the fire damage and then to create a tapestry of a new painting that really was more beautiful than the first. Okay, he couldn't make that painting the same way that it was. He couldn't just put it back you know, as if it didn't happen. No, we go through stuff, we lose, we hit hard times. We don't know if we're even gonna make it through these times. We have to think in terms of restoration. Restoration where God or whatever spiritual force that we believe in can actually make this uh, a, a greater life than what we whatever trajectory we were on that's how you have to see those experiences thank you that, that was an awesome example with regard to um, individuals that are coming to you and they maybe the environment or the life that they grew up in they didn't have a faith at all so what is a starting point for them when you're counseling them Jim Jim like field that well, I, I was actually wanting to just go back and, and revisit what you were saying. But um, if someone comes to me and they don't have any faith, um, or it's not a, a big part of their life, I should say, um, first of all, my job as a chaplain is not to, to push that on them and to try to, to walk them through a door that they're not ready to go down. In my faith background, uh, which is Christian, there's a scripture that says that um, eternity is set in the hearts of all men. And so I think most people have some degree of faith in their life and maybe it's maybe they don't call it that maybe it's faith but i think most people are wired to to believe they have in something that's greater than themselves something they have some god in their life uh, now maybe it's not a a, a religious god maybe it's uh, some other god in their life of like you know another person perhaps uh, but they usually they have something that they um 
that they are tapping into, whether they, again, whether they know it or not. And so uh, for me, I look for the, the door uh, as far as like the little window of opportunity. Uh, and they will usually at some point disclose, uh, they'll say, oh, you know, my, my wife and I are praying about this or, or uh, fingers are crossed or, I mean, you know, just something. And, and I use that to kind of delve in a little bit. And, and But again, my job as the chaplain is not to, um, to just shove religion down their throat and just say, hey, you need to go get in church right now. My job is to help them. And uh, and again, in my faith background, we're told to love your neighbor as yourself. And so uh, my job is to love and not with an agenda, not to, you know, so I can get them into church that next Sunday. Uh, so, and, and I really, really believe that that's, it starts there, the starting point. Now, if they start to express, um, if they ask questions, obviously I'll answer questions and I can encourage them. I've, I've had uh, single moms that have said, you know, oh, well, I, I, I really need help with, with childcare. And I'll say, well, you know, have you looked into some churches? Like there's, there's some great childcare programs. And so I'll try to, to maybe introduce them to it like that. But again, I don't, I don't really feel like it's my job to force it on them. Mm-hmm. And along with that, that, that key thought, and I like that, and that is having something to offer a person and seeing an open door. It is amazing to me when you are seeking, praying for those opportunities that will intersect with a person's need of how they will present themselves. You can, you can be in a, what, what I call spiritual posture at all times. And then just saying, God, show me, you know, show me what I can do. Show me how I can be a blessing to somebody. Show me how I can minister. And it is amazing how that need will intersect. Maybe not that very moment, but an hour later or two hours later or, or, or something. And then sometimes it's also amazing just little decisions that I make along the way. And this sounds so ordinary, but it really does have a spiritual component. Okay. When I thought about this podcast and I wanted to get here super early and I said well no let me go by the office first and so I went by the office and that delay in time with again the expectation and the prayer you know Lord show me you know what I can do today it delayed me enough that there was an encounter that I had of somebody you know that was walking you know away from this building and I was walking toward this building that I had spoken with before and reconnected. And then I was able to follow up on that and actually celebrate and rejoice some good news that she had shared with me because she came to see me in a hard time. All right. But it is amazing just decisions that you make as long as you have a, a perspective and an awareness of God at work. And there's a, there's a real uh, kind of scholastic term we talk about, think theologically. And they were telling us that all the time when I was going to seminary. We're training you to think theologically. What does that mean? Just break it down. Is God in this? <laughs> That's thinking theologically. Where is God in this? How is God at work in this? And every one of us, you don't have to, be to go to seminary to do that. You don't have to have a degree to do that. Every one of us you know, can have that kind of an awareness and that kind of a attitudinal spiritual posture. Well, and I, I like the tying into that kind of the, the idea of a sovereign being that that's driving force. And I think that's where 
spiritual fitness is so important when you're talking about this idea of resiliency and and adapting to to things that happen that you just sometimes I, we use the word resiliency and we were actually talking about this yesterday uh, and we picture kind of like a slinky that's being expanded and compressed but um, if you've ever seen a slinky that's been played with by a child it sometimes they're bent and, and they can't necessarily go back to the exactly the perfect way they were before but they can adapt like you can you can bend it enough so that the slinky still functions and so there are going to be things in life death divorce just trauma things that come at us and like we we're not going to be able to go back to the person that we were before that but if we can have this perspective of hey there is a sovereign god there's something bigger uh, a bigger perspective working and moving on my behalf that that's hope right there that this is this is going to somehow like I'm, I'm going to be able to pull through this with the help of that of that sovereign God, and I'm going to be able to uh, to move forward. There's a bigger plan at play here, and uh, and I'm I'm so grateful that I'm not in charge of every aspect of my life. This is not just a series of random events, but there's there's a God who's who's in control. And I think um, one of the things when people go through trauma or, or like in kind of natural disaster, just when they feel like the rug's been ripped out from underneath them is that, that sense of control. They feel out of control and they, that's, that's very harrowing for a lot of people. And so not necessarily that we are in control, but knowing that there is someone that's in control, knowing that there is a higher power that's in control. For me, I think that's very comforting. And I think to most people it is as well. I agree with that. In a, in a good chaplain fashion, we're given lots of analogies, but analogies work because they stick. So another analogy I have, think of scars, scars, scars you have on your body. I've lived in nine states. I've got scars from seven of those states on my body and two of the scars that I had could have killed me. But think about it. I didn't die. <laughs> I survived that and I heal, but I still have the scars. And I still have the reminders, not to mention the broken bones and the metal in my feet and other things, okay? But just think about the scars. You could have bled out, but you didn't. And so that is, I think, God at work. And that is whenever we go through a, a difficult time and whenever, what you might say, the enemy, and, and enemies are just, again, problems and situations could even be a, a personal being that I would see in my particular theology. But if you have an enemy that is coming at you, then guess what? What was meant to destroy you can actually restore you if you see it properly. That's awesome. Hey, I really had a great time uh, this morning talking about uh, your views and how to kind of help individuals on their spiritual path and um, help them maintain that spirituality, whatever it is that they that they deem their faith. I, I really have been humbled this morning to hear from both of you, and thank you so much for coming. Well, thank you for interviewing us. Yeah. Thank Thanks you for, for having us. Yeah, we appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks. Yeah.